We're talking today, Africa and the Bible. Special guest, Dr. Edwin Yamamaki. Stay tuned. What's going on, everybody? This your boy, Trevor Trev, one half of TBT Hosea 4-6, coming to you with another episode today, a special episode right in time for Black History Month. We're so excited to have a special guest joining us today. Dr. Edwin Yamamaki is joining us today. Uh, he's a well-respected ancient historian. Uh, first came across his work in Lee Strobel's book, A Case for Christ, and how he laid that groundwork out. I just like I got to get some more of him. I wanted to understand a little bit more about ancient history. I just I've always naturally gravitated to history. I've never been a science buff and I've never been a math wizard. I always tell people that they say, man, what is that? What does that add up to? I say, hey, look, I went to school for religion for a reason. Math and science are my strong suit. But Anyways, I've always gravitated towards history, be it American history, uh, revolution time, post-history, and of course, living in Virginia, uh, we've got a lot of uh, colonial history here. And, and so even in Richmond area, we got a lot of history uh, that is just natural to us here in Richmond, Virginia, and even the state of Virginia. But broadly, going back, or let's just broaden that focus, another part of history that I like to look at is some people may not include as history or mythological, or they want to put it in another category, but the Bible, the Bible is good history is historically reliable and historically verifiable. So one aspect that we kind of neglect or that maybe in the West that we have a filter and one book that really challenged myself on that, especially being an African-American male was a, is a book that I read in, in, my, in the class of hermeneutics and homiletics, was about interpretation, but it's called uh, reading the Bible with Western eyes or misreading scripture with Western eyes. I'll get it right. But it talks about uh, some some uh, presuppositions that we have in the West. And oftentimes it can be filtered through the lens of race. So joining us today, just talk about just uh, it's not and, I, and please to my audience, this is not to seclude anybody, but this is to show how beautiful the body of Christ really is when we look at it, what makes the body of Christ of different uh, people from all walks of life, different colors, statures, makeup, all types of folks is so beautiful when you look at it. And uh, so joining us today, we're going to talk about uh, the African influence in the Bible and just black presence in the Bible. We see a respected um, ancient historian uh, Dr. Yamamaki, hopefully I am pronouncing your last name correct. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but welcome to Truth Be Told, Hosea 4-6 Podcast. I'm glad to have you. How are you doing today, sir? Thank you very much. Uh, my name is pronounced Yamauchi. Yamauchi. Japanese. I was born in Hawaii. My parents were immigrants from Okinawa. I was born in 1937. So I'm 84 years old. <laughs> I um, went to different, uh, I was converted to Christ when I was 15 uh, out of a Buddhist background. And uh, 
had planned to become a missionary to the Japanese in Brazil. So I went to uh, Columbia Bible College, which is now Columbia International University. I was an anthropology major at the University of Hawaii. And then I went to a small Christian college in New Jersey called Shelton College, where I majored in Hebrew and Greek. And then I went to graduate school at Brandeis University near Boston, which is a Jewish institution under a very famous Jewish Old Testament scholar named Cyrus Gordon, who has trained a lot of evangelical Old Testament scholars. I then taught for five years at Rutgers University in New Brunswick, New Jersey. And then since 1969, until my retirement in 2005, I taught at Miami University in Oxford, <clears throat> Ohio. That's a uh, name uh, is probably confusing to a lot of people. I would think I'm in Florida because uh, the University of Miami there right. is probably better known. Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, where it was founded in 1809, the second oldest university west of the Alleghenies, and has a very distinguished academic uh, career. Now, we also have had a few famous athletes, uh, including um, Ben Roethlisberger, the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. Um, and I don't think a lot of people don't know where Big Ben, the school Big Ben came from. They always been associated. Big Ben has always been associated with Pittsburgh Steelers, but Big Ben has had a career prior to that in college. Uh, so impressive background. Um, very impressive. Anything else that you want to add before we proceed? Is that? Well, um, the background of the, this book that you are highlighting uh, came away, came about in this way. I've studied the ancient Egyptian language and taught a course in Egyptian history mm -hmm. for many years, both at Rutgers and at Miami University. And I also had a graduate seminar on Africans in the ancient world. And I called a conference at Miami University in 1991, a very distinguished scholars nine scholars from the different uh, fields of study. And I edited that book of conference papers in uh, 2001 called Africans and Africans in Antiquity that was published by Michigan State University. Now this is a completely secular book. Uh, there is one Christian uh, besides myself among the panelists but what I notice is that all these very, very scholarly papers, uh, there was only one reference to the Bible. Mm -hmm. And that was um, a, a paper by a professor from Howard University, Frank Snowden, who's very well known for his work on blacks in antiquity. And then I also noticed when I went to Harvard Divinity School bookstore, that the only books about Blacks and Africans on sale at the time that I visited the bookstore 
were either books by preachers or by what are now known as Afrocentric scholars mm-hmm. who claimed that all Egyptians were black, which is an exaggeration. Right. Right. So it's just, it's, it's like it's natural flow. Because one thing, one question I had, even when, you know, undertaking a book, I was like, well, how does, and you said Japanese descent, right? Say that again. You said you're, you're Japanese descent, that's correct? Yes. Right. And I was like, well, how does, you know, and just to be fair, like, um, you know, coming from my, you know, perspective from an audience, if I was asking, why, why would he underpin this study? But I don't think, I, you know, to me, it does. It seems like a lot of people. And I don't mean to, you know, to generalize everybody, but we don't have a good understanding in the West of that Levant region, that upper northwest part of Africa. So. You know, I, I really appreciate, you know, one, the book and how it's presented. Um, but how I know you just detailed about, uh, you know, studying and also teaching in, you know, on Egypt, ancient Egypt. Um, how influent and I guess we can get to the media conversation. How influent were was there a black presence within the he- ancient Hebrews, even within the Old Testament? or Hebrew Bible? Well, <clears throat> there's quite a bit actually in the Old Testament and some in the New Testament of blacks. Uh, now, the, the word Ethiops in Greek means dark-skinned person mm-hmm. and refers not just to blacks in Africa, but also to some uh, people from India who are dark-skinned. And the Egyptian word that is used of the area where blacks lived is Kush. Mm-hmm. And that's spelled C-U-S-H in biblical translations, but originally it was called K-U-S-H and refers to the area of the Sudan. Now the Nile River, if you go upstream, you encounter five cataracts, which are granite outcroppings that prevent easy sailing through the Nile. And the first cataract is at Aswan. That's the first cataract. And that's very close to the border between Egypt and the Sudan. Mm -hmm. Now the name Sudan comes from the Arabic, Aswad, and it means the land, Sudan means the land of the black. And you can see uh, from art and archaeology that <clears throat> there's a clear distinction in the portrayal of Egyptians who are light-skinned, uh, men are red-skinned, women are yellow-skinned, and blacks who come from the area that is south of <clears throat> the first cataract. Uh, there was a gradual infiltration of blacks from the south into what is called Upper Egypt near Thebes. And at one point, a pharaoh from uh, the south did conquer Egypt. So there's a lot of intermingling. I have a chapter devoted to Moses' Cushite wife. Right, right. Moses was married to a black woman uh, as one of his wives. He had more than one wife. Mm-hmm. The other wife, which is, might be better known because 
she is named, uh, is from Midian. Moses went into the desert of the Sinai where he encountered some Midianites, including Jethro, who is a father-in-law. Let me, uh, I guess we can stay on that course of of uh, Moses's wife. Why? Why are some scholars trying to gravitate towards Cush as far as being in Midian? Is it? Is it a? Is it? Do you think it's still some somewhat of a, a tension racially there as far as between, you know, saying Moses did have, you know, this woman is obviously black from, you know, Sudan, versus, you know. Well, we can just say he had one wife. Is it is it problematic both on a level of Moses being monogamous, or is it problematic on a racial side as well? Is that I'm hope I'm saying that correct because I think John Curry points out in his book Egypt and the Old Testament that some have tried to pull Egypt and make Egypt separate. You know, take the blackness out of Egypt, or even take um, uh, remove the Old Testament from Egypt. Some and, you know, some some would say, it, it, you know, it is kind of racially motivated. I'm just trying to understand and, you know, maybe get our audience to understand it. You know, is that is that an issue? Well, it's gone through stages uh, in the early 19th century, for example, when you have what is called the Eurocentric point of view, uh, blacks <clears throat> were downgraded in their role in ancient civilizations uh, was minimized. There was what is called the Hamitic hypothesis. Mm -hmm. uh, Ham was one of the three sons of Noah. So uh, earlier scholars divided all human races into three. The uh, sons of Shem were Semitic, the sons of Japheth were Indo-Europeans and the sons of Ham were Africans. And this uh, European-centric hypothesis uh, <clears throat> claimed that it was the wider-skinned Hamitic group from Egypt that, for example, influenced the Bantu civilization, which was considered to be inferior and this had some tragic consequences. For example, under the Belgians, who favored the taller, fair-skinned Tutsi over the dominant Hutu. Mm -hmm. uh, and when the Belgians left, there was, of course, a massacre by the Hutu against the Tutsi, whom they call cockroaches. You may have seen... Right vividly portrays the, the, the tribal uh, conflict there. There was a <clears throat> tendency in uh, uh, Zimbabwe to um, associate the monumental ruins there <clears throat> with uh, non-Bantu people. My colleague at um, my university, Bill Swanson, wrote a chapter in the book that I edited showing now that these structures were uh, raised by the national native peoples, mm -hmm. not by, for example, Solomon, who sometimes is invoked. Now, there was a reversal 
counter trend in the 20th century that was headed by a professor from Senegal named Sheikh Anton Diop, who's French, right. nuclear scientist. And his claim was that all <clears throat> Egyptians were black. So he went to the other extreme. And so everybody, not just Egyptians, but everybody in the Bible, uh, including Moses and Jesus, they're all black. Mm -hmm. And so this uh, counter position became popular, especially among black studies departments, like at Rutgers uh, University where I taught. And it was then filtered down into the elementary school curriculum in major cities in the United States. So <clears throat> there was a pendulum that swung mm -hmm. <clears throat> from one extreme to the other. <clears throat> and in my book, I try to point out what, what are the truly black <clears throat> contributors to Bible, the Bible and civilization and uh, try to counter exaggerations on both extremes. Right. Yeah. It, you know, and I think, um, what was the name of that, that, um, I have, I've subscribed to them as well. Um, biblical archeology span review not too long ago had an article put out concerning, I think it was Nefer Nefertiti's appearance and it kind of was lighter an almost borderline European in appearance, as well as a lot of other Egyptians that they've tried to, you know, put a spin to it, make, you know, all the advanced technology that we have. And, and so they would, they were receiving comments from, from, you know, obviously a black audience that, Hey man, they would have been darker than that. We know all the Egyptians were black and, but we almost, it's like Egypt is a big old melting pot in a way, because I mean, you might have a dynasty, you know, like uh, uh, somebody from Sudan, uh, a dynasty from there, or the Libyans, they're going back and forth and back and forth. Uh, so that was, that's kind of, it's, it's good to see that in your book. Um, and I don't think a lot of people understand how diverse, you know, uh, color-wise Egypt was. So, and then you have the, you know, like you mentioned, the Hyksos, um, you know, which would be Shemet, uh, Shemites or are from that 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 line of Shem. So um, you know, that's 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 cool as well. Um I guess let me let me ask you about this. The curse of ham, because you write you write extensively. I, I really I really appreciate that chapter. The curse of ham. Yes. Where is the fault in the curse of ham? Because a lot of you know, people of African descent grow up hearing about the curse of Ham. You know, we are in a condition we're in because of Ham's curse. Yes. Where, how dangerous is that? Um, you know, that hermeneutic and when did it start? Okay. Um, that's the subject of my, the first chapter of my book, uh, The Curse of Ham. And that is, of course, found in the famous story in Genesis 9 Yes, of Noah's drunkenness. And then he had three sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. And <clears throat> while he was drunk, and uh, Ham 
peered at him, Anna's nakedness. And when Noah woke up, he cursed not Ham, but Ham's descendant named Canaan. Right. However, that verse then was taken by many, many groups, including Arabs, Jews, Europeans, Americans, as a justification for enslaving Africans, because that verse in Genesis 9 uh, says that cursed be actually not Ham, but Ham's son, Canaan. And that became a justification even in the Mormon church Mm -hmm. recently for denying blacks the privilege of becoming priests. Right. So that has had an enormously deleterious uh, influence, that one verse. And I said, that's the one verse in the Bible that probably uh, has caused more damage than anything else. Not the verse in its original, but the interpretation to which that was uh, placed by many, many groups, uh, including Jews and Christians and Muslims and Mormons, mm-hmm. uh, to justify the enslavement of blacks. Right. And even in, you uh, you were talking about uh, the two Hebrew scholars, David Aaron and David Goldenberg, the two Jewish scholars. And I think, was it Goldenberg or either Aaron that noted that it was maybe uh, two of the 1,500 different personalities that kind of misconstrued some, uh, you know, what is the... Um, translation and they won't they were not always working with the best of translations and so yeah so it's just kind of like man the the smallest nuance caused you know slave trade uh you know from arab slave trade muslim slave trade to western slave trade as we you know transatlantic slave trade let me ask you a question because in your in your book you were saying you were talking about when you got to the the Muslim interpretation and then slave trade. They traded, they started slavery on the eastern half of Africa, correct? Yes. Okay. Would you would you would would you agree that there was a lot? Oh, I wouldn't say a lot, but they, you did have some Jews in that area, Jewish Jews and Christians in that area during that time. Yes. Okay. So there is with a lot with some African-Americans today, there's the notion that black people in America are the original Jews. Is it possible that you had some involved in that slave trade? Well, made their way to the West Coast. uh, That's a a big topic. And let me uh, maybe digress a bit. Uh, there is related to that issue mm-hmm. 